Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure. This is More Than Medicine, and the doctor is in. Welcome back to More Than Medicine. My name is Hannah Jackson Miller, and this is my dad, Dr. Robert Jackson. And uh, we are, last week, we kind of started a little bit of a series uh, talking about some principles that you teach. You use a, a baseball analogy. Yes. And <clears throat> you use the baseball diamond. Last week was the first base, which is assurance of salvation. Yes, ma'am. And then this week, we're going to move to second base with our analogy with the baseball diamond. So, but before we do, before we move on to that, uh, you kind of, you were telling me earlier that you had a patient who came into your office today and asked the question, how do I know for certain that I'm saved today? When we just <laughs> were talking about that just this last weekend, it was unbelievable. <clears throat> yep, yep. I told you last week and I broadcast last week that patients often ask me the question, how can I know for certain that I'm mm-hmm. saved? How can I know for sure that I'm a Christian? And that was the whole teaching from mm-hmm. last week's broadcast. Well, sure enough, this lady came in my office today. Uh, she was struggling with anxiety issues. She was struggling with some children who are far away from the Lord. And the first thing she asked me before we ever even addressed her medical issues, she said, Dr. Jackson, I have to ask you a question. This is not a medical question. And then tears began to roll down her cheeks. And she said, how can I know for certain that I'm a Christian? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I tried not to laugh, but I had a big smile on my face. And I'm sure she didn't understand yeah. why. But it just made me laugh because I knew we had just done a radio broadcast on that very issue. So I was delighted to be able to share with her the things that we mm-hmm. discussed last week. And if you missed last week's broadcast, you can go to More Than Medicine, which will have a archive of all of our lessons. And you can find that on Spotify or iTunes, iTunes Store Google Play. or Google Play. Any place yeah. that you Stitcher, can any, find yeah. a podcast, you can find More Than Medicine or just look up Robert Jackson and you'll find us. All right, so that brings us to second base. Second base in our analogy is a daily quiet time, the mm-hmm. discipline of a daily devotional. Now, Hannah, if you remember when you were a child, we used to go through the Westminster Lesser Catechism mm-hmm. with you and your brothers and sisters. One of the questions that we asked, well, not we, but the catechism asked, what is the chief end of of man. Do you remember that question? I certainly do. Uh, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Exactly right. Now, all of us have heard sermons <laughs> about how we glorify God and what it means for us to glorify God with our lives. But how many of us have heard a sermon on the topic of enjoying him forever? Well, we don't talk about that much. That mm-hmm. that part of the catechism, that part of the answer to that question seems to be neglected. So, how do we enjoy God? Well, I would submit to our listeners that we enjoy God through the discipline of a daily quiet time. Now, I'm going to have to give you a personal testimony here. 
I grew up in a rural Baptist church, and I, I know that there was Bible teaching that said to me that I should read my Bible every day and that I should pray every day. And sure enough, when I was 13 years old, I started reading my Bible, two chapters every night before I went to bed. And I would pray a little perfunctory prayer, praying for my family. But it, it really wasn't anything structured. It wasn't anything where I was eagerly seeking God's face. And it, it was very perfunctory, mm -hmm. really and truly. And I wasn't really seeking God's face. And so my relationship with God was very superficial. Mm -hmm. So I was not enjoying God at all, although I believe I had a legitimate relationship with the Lord. So so how do we enjoy God? Go a step further. Let's, let's ask this question. How do we build on our relationship with God? Because we enjoy God through our daily quiet mm -hmm. time. How do we build on that relationship? And I again say it's through the discipline of a daily devotional. And if you'll read through the scriptures, you'll find in multiple places where Jesus spent extended lengths of time in prayer and in the Word. And in fact, in the book of Luke, there are 11 instances where the historian, Dr. Luke, recorded verses that say something like this, that as was his custom, Jesus departed to a solitary place and there prayed. Eleven different times in the book of Luke, he records Jesus going off to a quiet place, a solitary place, in order to work on his relationship with his heavenly Father. And then in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, Peter and John are before the, the Sanhedrin, and the Bible tells that these men, these religious men, were amazed at these two men, first of all, noting that they were uneducated, and secondly, noting the confidence that they had, and then thirdly, they recognized that these two men had been with Jesus. You see, their confidence and their spiritual authority came from having been with Jesus. And you see, you and I can spend time with Jesus every day in a daily devotional. So we spend time in His Word. We spend time in prayer. So explain to us what you think time alone with God looks like. What What is that? Kind of extrapolate on that a little bit for us. Uh, I would say that a time alone with God is first a time of personal fellowship with God. If you remember in Psalms 42 and verse 1, the psalmist talks about as the deer pants for the water's brook, so mm -hmm. my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then in Psalm 63, in verse 1, he talks about as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And you can imagine yourself being in the desert and being parched and dehydrated because you have no water. And the thing that you want more than anything is that next sip of water. And the psalmist is likening his desperate desire to be in the presence of God to that of a man who's dying for lack of water. And he, in his spirit and in his soul, is eagerly, desperately desiring to be in the presence of God. Our devotional time, our quiet time, is a time of personal fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And that's how we learn to enjoy Him. Now, compare this to our relationship to our spouse. 
How did you get to know your husband in the very beginning? We talked. <laughs> y'all talked. I know. Yep. Y'all talked forever. <laughs> y'all sat on the back porch and you talked, and I thought you would never stop talking. And y'all got to know well, each other. Typically, I don't. So it wasn't really surprising that a re- romantic relationship we wouldn't either. <laughs> oh, man. You talked his ears off. He came in the house and he had no ears. Well, you know, that's how a husband and wife build their relationship. They talk to one another and they, they, they fellowship with one another. And if we're going to build a relationship or a fellowship with our Heavenly Father, we, we let Him talk to us through the Word. And we get on our knees and we talk to Him about the issues of our life and what's in our hearts. The second thing I would say is that it's a time of personal reflection. You know, in Psalms 139, the psalmist said, he, he was praying to God and he said, May the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my God, my rock and my redeemer. And you see, he's wanting the searchlight of God's word to be turned on his life and on his heart. And what it does is when we turn the searchlight of God's Word onto our heart, it exposes the sin Mm -hmm. that's in our life. It exposes the hindrances that keep us from really knowing the Lord our God. And so it's a time of personal introspection, a time of personal reflection. And then thirdly, I'd say it's a time of daily commitment and recommitment to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is that verse that we all quote all the time. Now, I've memorized this verse in multiple versions, so I'm going to have to look it up so I I don't mix and match the different versions. I'm bad to do that. All right, Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. You see... This is what happens when we commit our ways to the Lord over and over. And then in Luke 9, 23, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he told them they had to take up their cross daily and follow him. He said, if you would be my disciples, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. That's a daily recommitment to the Lord, a daily dying to ourselves in order to follow Jesus. So my quiet time is a time of fellowships, a time of reflection, it's a time of commitment. So why do you think people should have a quiet time? Well, I think first of all, because our Heavenly Father desires our fellowship. How would I know that? Well, in John chapter 4, verse 23, you remember Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. And when he was talking to this lady, she was asking him all manner of questions. And then Jesus looked at her and he had this to say in John chapter 4 and verse 23. He said, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. And I'm telling you, Hannah, I want to be somebody that the Lord seeks. And who does He seek? He seeks those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And you see, it's a time of personal fellowship with God and, and, and I think that God desires our fellowship. And when we worship in spirit and in truth, and in the integrity of our hearts, then God seeks us out. And that's one of the reasons why we would have a quiet time. The second thing I would say is that Jesus deserves my devotion 
He deserves my full attention. I am confident that a once a week, nonchalant, lackadaisical tipping of the hat towards God in a Sunday worship service is not sufficient. I believe that God deserves, that Jesus deserves a fiery and passionate devotion. And that when we are devoted to him like that, we want to seek him out every day to express our love and our gratitude for all that he has done for us. Now, in John chapter 16, there's a verse where the Bible says that Lazarus was there with him at the table. Now, think about this. In Luke, and in John 15, Lazarus was dead. He was in the grave three or four days, and then Jesus came and raised him from the dead. Now, here's Jesus at Mary and Martha's house, the sisters of this man, Lazarus, who'd been raised from the dead. Don't you think it would have been odd if Lazarus had not been there? <laughs> After Jesus had raised him from the dead, if he had not been there sitting at the feet of Jesus, looking him in the eyes, listening to every word that he spoke, seeking to obey every command that fell from his lips, of course it would have been odd. It would have been foolish. This man was dead, and now he was alive. And he had an opportunity to sit at the feet of this man who now he understood fully was the promised Messiah, the Son of God. And all the, the blinders had been removed from his eyes, and he knew fully who Jesus was. And there he was, sitting at his feet. Now listen, you and I once were spiritually dead. Lazarus was physically dead. We were stinking in our sin, just as Lazarus was in the grave three days. And as they said, by now he stinketh. <laughs> we were stinking in our sin. And Jesus raised us from the dead. He opened our eyes and gave us spiritual sight. He gave us spiritual life. He set us free from Satan's bondage. He transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. He adopted us into His family, made us citizens of heaven, washed us as white as snow, sealed us into the day of redemption. Amazing what He has done for us. It would be foolish. It would be odd. It would be unreasonable that we would not sit at the feet of Jesus every day looking intently into His face listening for every word that fell from his lips, intent on obeying his every command, expressing a fiery and passionate devotion to him. That's why we have a quiet time, so that I can do all of these things as a, as a dead man who's been raised from the dead and given new life should. And then the third thing I would say is it's necessary for a vital and growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter uh, 1 of Mark, the Bible tells a story of how Jesus had been up late into the night teaching and healing people from their sicknesses. And then the Bible says in the very next verse, chapter 35, the Bible says, In rising a great while before day, Jesus went out into a solitary place and there prayed. Now, if that had been me rising a great while before day, I would go to a solitary place and there I'd just fall asleep. <laughs> Particularly if I'd been up late the night before. But you see, Jesus was so serious about his connection to his Father and restoring his spiritual vitality 
that after a long and hard day of teaching and healing, he got up early while it was still dark and went out to a solitary place to reconnect with his heavenly father. And the same thing's true for us. If we want to have a vital and growing relationship with the heavenly father, then we're going to have to find those times to be alone with him. Now, think about that story in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus goes to visit Mary and Martha. He shows up at their house and he's got 12 hungry men in tow. And they show up at Mary and Martha's house. Well, Martha's all in a fizz. She's in a dither. And she's preparing food and cleaning the house. She's got to feed all of these hungry men. And Jesus sits down and begins to teach. And her sister Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. She wants to hear every word that falls from his lips. And Martha, the Bible says, was terribly distracted. And she calls out to Jesus and she says to Jesus, tell my sister Mary to come and help me. And Jesus looks at her and says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which will never be taken away from her. You see, I have friends that tell me all the time that they're too busy to have a daily devotional. And I look at them and say, you're right, you are too busy. Because when we are too busy to spend time with the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who created us and breathed the breath of life into our physical bodies and redeemed us from hell and the grave and the pit and sustains our life every day that we live and breathe, then we are too busy if we don't have time to spend time cultivating a relationship with him. We must find time to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did. And I have lots of friends that I'm satisfied that when they get to the end of their life's journey, they're going to find out that their ladder has been leaning against the wrong wall because they've been preoccupied with finances or their career or their hobbies or whatever it is that distracts them and preoccupies them, but they've never found time to be caught up in a pursuing their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you, how would you tell our listeners to have a, have a daily quiet time? Well, the first thing I would say is you got to get your priorities right. <laughs> because you got to get them straight. The most important thing in my spiritual journey is getting to know Jesus and connecting with my Heavenly Father through a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I don't get that straight in my heart and my mind, then everything else in my life is going to be askew. Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He told His disciples to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. He was talking about food, shelter, and clothing, the basic necessities of life. He wasn't talking about cable TV and fancy cars. Mm -hmm. He was just talking about the basic necessities. Mm -hmm. And when we put our primary priority focus on our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, He's promised that He's going to take care of all the other issues of our life. I would say we have to choose a time. Choose a time that's, that's good for you. For most people, it's early in the morning. You want to give Jesus the best part of your day. You don't want to give Him the dregs when you're tired in the evening. You have to choose a place. Choose a place that's sacred for you. For me, it's the dining room table in our in our kitchen. And I'm there every morning at a specified time. And if I miss it, it tears me up. Now, 
Developing a good quiet time is like developing your physical body. It's like developing your physical strength. I know my patients who work out at the gym, and they tell me all the time, they said, Doc, if I miss a day working out at the gym, it's a wasted day. I feel terrible. And I asked them, I said, well, what was it like when you first started? And they said, you mean when I first started working out at the gym? I said, yeah. And they said, oh, I hated it. <laughs> they said, I hated it. It was a terrible ordeal. It took me months, sometimes a year before I got to where I enjoyed going to the gym. But now, Doc, I can't stand to miss a day. I love going to the gym. I'm passionate about being at the gym. Well, you see, a daily quiet time is the same way. We start out as a discipline. And we have a place, and we have a time, and we go to meet with Jesus. And it's a discipline in the beginning, but over time it becomes a passion. And it becomes something that if I miss a day fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus, I consider it a wasted day. And all day long I'm just out of sorts because I haven't spent time with the Master. I also choose a plan. I have some kind of plan where I, uh, I pre approach my quiet time with a, with a proper eager attitude. The Bible says that we should be still and know that I am the Lord, Psalms 46.10. And we should always expect God's presence. We should expect Him to meet with us. And then there's a little bit of a procedure that I think we should all have. One is you read the Word, and the other one is you pray. People who are baby Christians, they're just going to pray for a little while. And those who've been Christians for a long time, they read the Word for a long time. I have an aunt who I admired greatly. She helped raise my daddy and her siblings uh, her, my first cousins, their, her children used to say that my aunt used to read the Bible all the time, every day, all day long. And the older she got, the more she read the Bible. And I have patients that are like that, that the older they get, all they ever want to do is read the Bible. And it's because they're getting close to home. <laughs> they're getting close to Jesus. And the things of this world grow strangely dim, and they lose the allure. And the only thing that really matters is that relationship with Jesus. I always have a little mnemonic, the ACTS mnemonic that I learned in college, and it stayed with me all these years. A stands for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication. And I pray through that mnemonic every day in my prayer time, even 40 years after I learned it. I always encourage people to keep a notebook of prayer requests and check them off when God answers your prayers. It's always encouraging. Keep a notebook of verses to memorize and scriptural insights that God shows you. People should always go to bed early so they can rise up at a regular time and be rested and refreshed. But don't be legalistic about it. You know what legalism is. Legalism is when people think that they're going to earn merit with God by the things that they do in their Christian life. We can't earn merit. God has given us His favor in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And having a quiet time doesn't earn me credit with God. I have a quiet time because I love Him. I do it out of obedience and out of a heart that desires to fellowship with Him. And if I miss a day, it's not the end of the world. And I don't lose credit with God or favor with God because I don't have a quiet time. So don't be legalistic about it, but I encourage people do try to be consistent. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, the, the, the prophet said, when you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. Let me read that again. When you seek me 
you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. That's the promise of our God. And we should remember that when we approach our quiet time. Now, I want to conclude with a poem that I I found many, many years ago, and it's been a blessing to me. It's called The Secret, and it's by Ralph Spalding Cushman. I met God in the morning when my day was at its best, and His presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long the presence lingered. All day long He stayed with me, and we sailed in perfect calmness o'er a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered. Other ships were sore distressed. But the winds that seemed to drive them brought to us a peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mind. When I too had loosed the moorings with the presence left behind. So I think I know the secret learned from many a troubled way. You must seek him in the morning if you want him through the day. Let me encourage our listeners to practice the discipline of a daily devotion. That second base in our spiritual journey. First base is the assurance of salvation. Second base is having a daily devotional. Third base, what we'll talk about next week, is the spirit-filled Christian life. And I hope you'll tune in next week when we talk about what it means to be a spirit-controlled Christian. Thank you for listening. I'll add one more thing on um, as we've got a little bit more time. I'm teaching a class right now, and it's uh, for women, and it's about knowing Scripture, loving God. And it's how, you know, if, if we really want to, there's so many analogies that God uses in the Scriptures on what our relationship with Him should look like. There's, you know, we are the, we're the, the church, we should be the bride to the bridegroom. We're also His children. And those kinds of relationships depict a picture for us of, mm-hmm spending time together and spending time, not just me going through a litany of things that I want from him. That's not how we live and how we flesh out our relationship with our spouses or our children or our parents. That's not how those relationships work. And so how can you and I claim that we love God, which most of us, especially here in the South, but most believers are going to say, yeah, I, I love God. But do you? Do you know him so that you can love him as he's called you to love him? Because your relationship and what you're doing is you're not spending time with him. You're not being the bride to the bridegroom. You're not investing that kind of time and effort into knowing his word in order to love him as he's called you to love him. And I think that that, you know, using that story, the the story in the scripture of a last and him saying, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it would have been crazy. I mean, he brought him from dead and he is now alive just Mm. as you and I were once dead. And now we are alive in Jesus Christ. And to to think that we would be alive and then just walk away. Yeah. I mean, what kind of talk about about ungrateful. Talk about, (laughs) I mean, we're headed into, you know, we've just had uh, Thanksgiving Talk about ungrateful, and that should be something that really pricks our heart on showing our gratefulness to Him and our love and affection to Him is just by knowing Him as He's called us to know Him as the bride knows her bridegroom and dive into His Word so that you can love Him as He's called you. 
to love him. All right, join us next week. We're going to be heading, uh, kind of circling around to third base in our analogy here, and we hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via jacksonfamilyministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for more than medicine.